what's going on everybody welcome back to episode seven of twigs and twine today uh no joey he's off doing his own thing so it's just me and alex alex how you doing not too bad having a good saturday night how are you i'm doing great thank you very much for asking and today we are joined for our interview with north bay battalion goalie dominic divincentis a little bit of a shorter interview but on it but nevertheless great guy absolutely amazing to talk with him up-and-coming prospect he's gonna have a great career in the nhl so let's start things off with some big news as well as every, everyone should know health canada has a, a ruling during the entire during the pandemic for anybody that crosses the that crosses the border and attempts to come back into canada they have to quarantine for 14 days that rule still stands to this point and it, or, or, was still standing uh, regardless of if you're a normal citizen, if you're playing in the NHL, or for NHL players, professional sports players, what have you. But now, um, after some backlash saying from NHL teams, even though Canadian teams, they did agree with it from a health standpoint, it did put a little bit of a, a mess into trying to acquire players as they had to quarantine for all this time. And it just took time away from being with the team and basically left the team shorthanded for a couple weeks. Now it came out earlier this week that Health Canada is approving a shortened quarantine for NHL players as well as HL call-ups from 14 days dropping down to seven with daily testing. Players can join the teams after the seven days are up, but they do have to be tested for every single day for the following week until the 14 days is up. I'm curious if this would also affect staff traveling across the border, but let's start with the players. Alex, what do you think of this uh, this announcement? You know, honestly, I, I think it does clear up a little bit of, um, uh, it does clear up some problems that may present itself with the whole 14-day quarantine. It makes it a little easier on the, on the front offices of different teams that are looking to make trades, or for the Canadian teams that are looking to make trades with the, um, with their American counterparts. The only thing is, is I, I completely, you know, I agree with it. You know, it's fine. I just wonder if there's going to be any kind of backlash a little bit from um, other people there's that would come and argue that it should be, a, um, or there is a double standard with uh, the government prioritizing the NHL over their own citizens. Um, but from purely from a hockey standpoint, I kind of, I don't mind it. Um, it. It does make things a little easier for teams, like I said. I do think um, it, we're going to have a good trade deadline now that now that uh, teams know this. They'll, they can have their players around their teams a lot more than what was previously instated. Yeah, there's. I have to admit there is a little bit of a double standard considering like like – because pro hockey or pro sports in general, but pro hockey, because we have the most, it's the sport with the most Canadian teams. Because I think the MLS has like three Montreal, I think it's just Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto in the MLS. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like the NHL, they have the most Canadian teams. I think it is a bit of a double standard because hockey is Canada's sport. And I know that the, the, the Canadian government will, pull, will try and pull as many strings as they can to try and make hockey happen as normally as possible aside from having fans in the arena like it's to a certain extent because they're still not gonna have fans in the arenas i think 80 percent of the american teams are allowing fans in the arenas if not more Mm -hmm. so but whatever that's a topic for another time um 
I don't know, because but also people have taken to have to take into account the NHL. Like they have their system running fairly damn well because I know. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. The players do get tested more often than not. Like I think it's every every couple of days they're going to get tested. Yeah, yeah. It it wasn't as um as often as it was in the bubble, but they're still getting um uh, the test uh quite quite regularly. I mean, yeah, obviously, because it's in the bubble, they had it's like what six at the first they had what maybe eight teams in the same building. Yeah, per per bubble. Eighteen? No, it's twelve teams per bubble. But I think they had yeah six teams per six teams per hotel. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, no, I I think that's a. I actually quite I quite like that move from even from a health standpoint, just uh, due to the the reasons that I already said. I think it does it makes sense because like they realistically NHL players have a lot less likely of a chance of cat, catching the virus compared to like normal citizens because like they have mm-hmm. more they have more strict measures to follow. Yeah. But I don't know in terms from um from like an, an NHL standpoint this is a huge win for Canadian teams um trying to bolster their, their roster as uh, as close to in leading up to the trade deadline especially for the playoff run because you want to uh, when you acquire a player at the deadline you want to get them as much game time as and as much practice time with their new team as possible so they're as comfortable with the with their new roster and new teammates getting as much chemistry as they can before the long playoff run starts yeah uh, i'm curious if this will affect staff traveling across the border like uh coaches like a coach hiring or a new a new gm hiring for example um i <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Or sorry, no. I think that the coaches would also, um, they'd also also have to do the seven day quarantine because as important as it is to have players around their new teammates to try to build up that chemistry, you also have to have your coaches around the players he's going to be coaching to try to build as much of a relationship as possible, and so that they can learn. Um, they can learn that coach's system. I wouldn't see why the NHL would move the the player quarantine to seven days and not the coaches. Um, the, the coaching is just as important as uh, as the players, in my opinion. Yeah, you make you make a good point, and I'm just reading the article on Sportsnet, and also I forgot to mention this was from the like uh, this report was from the Canadian Press, so just. Uh, just to get some credit or uh, credit where credit's due, this report came up from the Canadian Press and uh, posted onto Sportsnet.ca. Um, yeah, I do. I I would think that there that it would be the same as for staff as it was for players. It hasn't been officially reported yet, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens with that. Like I think it would be stupid not to have, uh, not to have it happen. But I also, but also at the same time, like if you think about it, like somebody's got. You got some staff like it wasn't Daryl Sutter working on a work work at home just like as a normal citizen when he got hired from Calgary. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he had any hockey related job. I'm pretty sure he was just at home. So like stuff like that, then I would like. I think they should have it where like if you're hiring somebody from another team, like if you're hiring, if say you're taking someone's assistant coach to be your head coach, then yep. I, then I think it should be the the seven day quarantine. But if you have like like okay, Daryl Sutter is within Canada, going from I think he's from Alberta actually, yes. going to uh, Calgary. So I Calgary. Think that, so that's fine, whatever. Like with the no quarantine, but 
if you're having somebody from say Pittsburgh using for example because I this whole thing's making me think of the Brian Burke hiring. Yeah. Just whatever. Someone from the States going to going to a Canadian team, like they I think they should uh if they I think if they're maintain if they're from the like working with the team at the time to- or with one team going to another team, I think they should maintain the seven days. But if not if they're just hiring someone who hasn't worked who hasn't been working for an NHL team this season, then it should just be a four it should be the full fourteen day quarantine. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can see where you're coming from. And players with within an NA or sorry, um, coaches within an NHL team, like you said, they've taken the proper uh, measures to avoid the virus at all as much as possible. Compared to somebody who's just been at home following uh, their stay-at-home orders, so yeah, I can I can agree with that. That's a good point. Now, uh, moving on to the next topic, it was reported by Pierre LeBron earlier this week, and it was also confirmed by uh, by multiple sources. The NHL has uh, has approved the lottery changes that we discussed a few weeks ago. That I think it was Chris Johnston that uh, first reported the rumor. So we'll go. I'll name. I'll name all of the new changes out. We'll go through them one by one. So now, starting, I think it's starting next year, or sorry, starting this year. Teams limited to a maximum of two lottery wins in a five-year period. Starting in twenty twenty-two, teams only allowed to jump ten spots in the lottery. And starting this year as well, a reduction in number of picks decided by the lottery from three to two. So let's start off with the. I, I I called it the Edmonton rule a couple weeks ago, and I, I maintain that. So let's start with the Edmonton rule: two lottery wins in a five-year period max. It, you see, you you'll call it the Edmonton rule. I'll call it the Buffalo rule, just because they suck. <laughs> um, but Buddy, I, we're we're gonna get into Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into Buffalo later. Come on. Yes, bro. yeah, yeah. I know yeah. Joe. I know Joey's not here. You're trying to have your fun, but like, fuck. No, no. Yeah, I I get that. I get that. Uh. I'll say I'll save the Buffalo fans a little bit of an earful here. Um, I can see where the NHL is coming from. The only reason why I think they'd put this rule in is to um, avoid any any future promising stars from being stuck in a uh, in a in a, uh, in a terrible environment where they where the team isn't really headed anywhere and uh, they're just kind of wasting the careers of the players. Edmonton is is the right example. You know, last one week ago or two weeks, we were talking about all the uh, all the picks or first round picks they had within the last ten years. Um, and and look, they they haven't really panned out exactly the way uh, everybody was hoping. But I can see where the NHL is coming from. Do I agree with it? Not really, because at the end of the day, the last place teams still need the most help. It's just really a matter of if that team can turn around themselves. Um, but I, I can see how it does help, yeah. Uh, yeah, so sorry. I'm just – just to confirm, um, this is from NHL.com. Uh, yes, the twice in a five-year period for the lot- lottery wins will start next season. When, uh, and, like, the five, like, the five years will begin in 2022, so – Say for example, um, what's it called? Who won? Oh shit, who won the draft lottery this year? The range. Say the Rangers win the lottery again this year, and win the lottery again this year. They're still eligible to win the lottery again in twenty twenty two, because yeah. So the the rules getting put into place there starting next year. The rest yeah. are being put into place this year. But I, 
I kind of do agree with it because, like, I don't want to see for just for the purpose of like, I don't want to see like these super teams. Like, I don't want to see like guys get teams getting seven first round picks. Like, I I brought up the Edmonton thing, but also at the same time, like, I I hate the fact that it's getting it's like taking away from the randomness of it. Yeah, yeah. like I'm never gonna forget when the it was the McDavid lottery. Um. Even this year, too, it was the McDavid lottery, and Toronto was one ball away from getting McDavid. Mm-hmm. And this year, Toronto was one ball away from getting Lafreniere. Or, it, was, it, was in the, it was in the pipe. The ball yeah, was exactly. in the pipe, and it, and it fell out. Yeah, it oh, bounced man. out. I call, I'm calling uh, a little bit of shenanigans on Batman's part there, because I think uh, <laughs> he wants to see more uh, of his hometown boys getting... Uh, getting the help but there was something in that new york ball if you take a look at the pictures up close there was a little summon summon in there really i haven't taken a look at that i haven't seen those pictures when they show when the guy's holding the ball you can see like a shadow at the bottom of the uh at the bottom of the ball and no none of the other ones had it so i I don't i don't know i don't know really for me it's a yeah it's a conspiracy theory. Some some people believe, but you can you can definitely tell there's a little bit of a uh, a black spot or a shadow inside the ball. We may have to subpoena Gary Batman and see if we can get him to uh, to explain. <laughs> <it to him. laughs> wow. But yeah, like I hate I I don't I gotta admit all of these I don't like, but I'll get it. I'll give more of my in depth thoughts on the other ones as we get to them. But just from the from this, like I really don't like the fact that it gets rid of the randomness of teams not being able to go and win multiple times like because it's the lottery supposed to be a lottery it's supposed to be every team has a chance yeah but every team's not going to have a chance if they win twice in five years mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It, yeah you're 100% right like, even the this rule here the team's only allowed to jump 10 spots in the lottery like you're completely limiting um, the the luck that the lottery is all about. It's all it's all up in the air, and it's all fate. Whichever team gets what spot, you know. And now with uh, not being allowed to jump up these uh, ten spots, anybody outside of that ten, you know, they they have no chance at getting a um at getting one of the top players, and it's it completely ruins it ruins the uh, the excitement the excitement around the lottery, but I don't know. What are no, your I, thoughts? I completely agree with you. I, I completely agree with you on that. Like it gets to the point where it's like, come, so basically before this year, actually including, no, not including this year, actually before this year, um, it used to be the top or like the, I think it's 16 teams, 15, 16, 16. Uh, no, it's 15 because 31 teams. It would, there would be sixteen okay. lottery, or fifteen lottery teams, and they would they would all be at the lottery. You'd have one representative from each team. Now you're gonna have what the top the twelve remaining teams, like. Yeah, it. it I think they really they re, the league really blew this one. They yeah. just took all the buzz and all the excitement around the lottery, and who can get in or who will jump or uh jump spots they, they just really made it i guess boring you know in a sense 
there's um, not that excitement as much as there used to be. Yeah, there, I, I honestly, yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no excitement. Um, they say what they say that the the NHL say that they these changes will, will reduce the likelihood of the worst finishing team dropping in the draft order and not retain the right to first overall pick. The recent magnitude of any. Sorry, I'm reading this like as um. Yeah, yeah. Reduce the magnitude of, uh, of any possible drop in draft order for the fi- worst finishing team, limiting the number of teams based on the regular season standings, limit the number of teams at times the same team can benefit from winning the lottery drawing. This is a complete joke. Like, I, I honestly feel like they are going to change this because I think, fa- first off, I think more fans are going to end up being outraged. And I haven't, yeah. I haven't actually gone on Twitter and checked it. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet. I'd be willing to bet a hundred bucks that there is people pissed off with us like we are, and I think they're gonna change this. And I give it four years when they realize when they see that Buffalo wins two straight first overall picks and two straight second overall picks. Yeah, yeah. I think. What was? Gonna, I'm sorry. What was that first point you read there? Um, that saying it avoids. Uh, it uh, avoids. The, yeah, read it. The NHL said, and this is a quote coming straight from NHL.com. The NHL said the changes will reduce the likelihood of the worst finishing team dropping in the draft order and not retaining the right to the first overall pick. Reduce the magnitude of any possible drop in draft order for the worst finishing team. Limit the number of teams eligible to win the number one pick. Yeah, no shit. Mm. Uh, in bracket based on final regular season standings and limit the number of times the same team can benefit from winning a lottery draw. They're all over the place with this one. Is implement the rule of team, the bottom end teams. They're doing their best to make sure that they don't lose those top players. And then at the same time, they expect two young kids that are just being drafted to their teams that are first overall picks. So we'll take like Buffalo, for example. Sorry, everyone. Um, we'll get into them more afterwards. Don't worry, guys. Yeah. There's still some Buffalo shit talk on the way. <laughs> um, yeah. How are you supposed to expect that the next two first round picks starting next year and then the year after are supposed to dig Buffalo out of that hole, out of the hole that they're in? So sure, you lim- you avoid that team slipping out and missing out on the uh, the two first round picks or the first round picks, sorry. But then first they overall, can't win or first overall picks. Yeah, did I say first round? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, first overall pick, but then they're only allowed to win two of them within a five year period. I mean, I don't know. You're not really. They're trying to fix something that doesn't need to be fixed, in my opinion. Exactly. Exactly, but I, I re- real like realistically, it's gonna end with the with the last place team getting, if if not the first, the second round, the second overall pick. If they if we're, we'll use Buffalo for the example because it seems like they're gonna be the ones that are gonna be in last for than you know what Ottawa, actually no, not even Ottawa seems like they have a brighter future than Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, okay, just say Buffalo for example, like they're they're gonna finish bottom of the league this year most likely. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, most likely next year. Yeah. They're if they if they get their two first overall picks, I'd be willing to bet whatever whatever the some uh money for whoever wants to take this bet that 
Buffalo's going to finish with the second overall pick. I feel like any team that finishes in last place that has two first overall picks in that five-year gap, they're going to finish with the second overall pick. It's going to be fit. It's going to be the same shit over and over again with the last place team getting either one or two. And that's, that's how you bring tanking back into the league. Yeah. yeah. Like that's how you just get everyone to trade away their best players and just tank the shit out of the season. Yeah. Um, they're just, I, I thought honestly, like, I, I don't know how much you follow with basketball. I thought the NBA was a shit league. Starting with the super team in Brooklyn, but I think this is. Oh, uh, by the way, this isn't helping their team. Speaking of super teams in Brooklyn, did you see they just signed Lamarcus Aldridge? Yeah, they, that's what I mean. They just signed Aldridge. That that team is gonna be unfortunately un, unbeatable. It's gonna be Brooklyn and the Lakers in the finals. And for the one time, I'm actually rooting for LeBron James. Sure. I, I just, yeah, I thought the NBA was bad. But the NHL just approving this, it's it's not helping their case. Because the NHL realized, the, no, I see, I know why they did that, just to try, because they, they talk about parity, but then they realize that the NBA makes so much money, like so yeah. much money, yeah. that they were, they're, I feel like they're trying to mimic these teams, uh, these leagues that are making billions of dollars more than the NHL is. Yeah. Um, it's it's not the way to do it. If we talked about it a few episodes ago, um, if they improve their marketing to increase the uh, the value of the league, then it helps. But yeah, I don't know. But what it's what's done is done, and I think you're right. Within the next four or so five years, um, they're gonna scrap these changes and go back to the way it is okay, right so now. Before we get into the final change. This is just hilarious. I'm looking at Brooklyn's roster right now, and I'm I'm not a basketball fan by any stretch of the imagination. I'm I wa- I'll watch a Raptors game if it's on, but like, look at this: James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Durant, Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge, DeAndre Jordan, and then you got Din- and then you got Dinwiddie who injured right now. Yeah, and doesn't help. Joe Harris is having an incredible year. I saw a stat earlier that. Their um their entire starting lineup within all the course of their career, forty total All Star games. Jesus Christ! Forty total All Star. Kevin Durant he has eleven of them, and uh, James Harden has nine, but forty forty All Star appearances between all of them. It, it's it's complete. It, it's garbage. Uh, it it really is. Now, you, now that you have Blake Griffin and uh, Lamarcus Aldridge coming off your bench to a All Star starting five, I mean, it's such a shit show. All right, so enough of basketball because I'm not, I I cannot intelligently talk about basketball for yeah. the life of me. If you if for anyone listening, if you guys want to hear some basketball talk, send us a DM and we'll try and we'll try and get uh, Anthony K from Sports Fluent to come onto the show. But moving on, that'd be a uh, nice conversation. Yeah, I was going to say. So moving on to our final topic before we we send you guys off to Dom. This was hilarious. And I had a feeling this was going to come at some point ever since they introduced the hot mics with the refs. Tim Peel in a game against, uh, in the, I think it was Detroit versus Nashville. 
he uh, was yeah. caught he was caught on a hot mic saying and I quote this is and this is after calling a penalty against Nashville saying and I quote it wasn't much but I really but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early in the and then if the audio cuts out I'm assuming that he meant to say early in the game mm. which afterwards he got he's he got let go in his final season as a ref um this is a quote from NHL senior executive vice president of hockey operations Colin Campbell nothing is more important than ensuring the integrity of our game tim peel tim peel's conduct is in direct contradiction to the adherence to that cornerstone principle that we demand of our officials and that our fans players coaches and all those associated with our game expect and deserve there's no justification for his comments no matter the context or his intention and the national hockey league will take any and all steps necessary to to protect the integrity of our game um you what you want to start with this one or let me just quickly there's another quote that i wanted to read i just gotta quickly pull it up it was from i think it was matt duchene uh, yeah from matt duchene he's a veteran ref it's his last year anyway so i think that's maybe why they let him go rather than maybe suspending him or fining him the crazy thing is he was talking to philip forsberg in that clip and that he and he told our bench that really bizarre i just i just think that can't happen imagine a scenario where they score on that power play we lose the game and miss the playoffs by a point imagine that scenario that could happen this Duchesne continued. This is not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think there's a place in hockey for that. You got to call the game. You got to call the game. I've always been frustrated when I see even up calls or something like that. If one team is earning power plays, you can't punish them because the other team isn't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, listen, we all, hockey, anyone who's played hockey, anyone who's watched hockey, like, makeup calls are a thing. Weak calls are a thing. Referee bias is a thing. I've been on the receiving end of countless makeup calls that for just then, like this is and this is even in minor hockey. I've been on the receiving end of countless of countless countless makeup calls, countless soft calls, countless just bullshit calls, just from refs just trying to fucking have their fun. And I knew this was like anyone who's ever. I I, I keep repeating myself, but like it's this is. This is not news. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why people are getting so shocked about it. Like people know that this has been going on for decades. The fact that it finally, like somebody finally, officially said it, like it's everyone's making it seem like they're so shocked. Like this is the first time that they're hearing about this. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, like Duchesne is one thing. Like Duchesne knew that. Duchesne knew that uh, makeup calls are a thing, and obviously he's, has some common sense. He's been in the league for over a decade, yeah. but. Like I do, th- okay. I have to admit that, I, like, from a logistic standpoint, this is a slap in the face of the league. It shows the shows the incompetence of the league's referees. Oh, one hundred percent. Like, I completely agree with letting him go, especially in the final season. Like, I agree with letting him go to a certain extent. Like, I do think there's a part of me that thinks that he should have been suspended for without pay for a month, exactly. or whatever, exactly. Because it's his final season. Give him that swan song. Get him to get him to ref the, the playoffs, snack a final. But whatever, I guess Tim Peel had a great career. I think uh, I think it was if I'm not, if I remember correctly, he re- he referee he was officiating 1600 games plus 
as well as like I think ninety six playoff games in his career. Uh, that's impressive. I I don't know the exact stat. I don't remember. It's um, it's wow, it's impressive. Yeah. Um, you you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, I think he should have been suspended. He he was he was supposed to retire next month, and I think it's also you know how you're explaining that it's a slap in the face to the NHL about their uh their officiating. I think it's a, a slap in the face right back on behalf of the NHL to Tim Peel. Um, I don't see why uh, suspending him wasn't enough. Suspending him without pay. He's worked decades with you, refereeing your games, making sure they run as smooth as possible um, to his best judgment. But you're just going to fire him a month before he retires? That that's a little bit of an asshole move on behalf of the NHL, and I know there's been um, some criticism or backlash going their way, and it's it's really unfortunate that's that's how his career had to end. And it, like you said, everybody everybody thinks it. They know that the um, there's referee bias, there's makeup calls, and certain referees against certain teams just for whatever reason. God knows why. Um, and it's just unfortunate that he had to be, he was caught with a, his mic turned on and there, that's the result. But I think firing him a month before his retirement, that's, ah, that's a prick move. If you ask me. Yeah, it is a prick move, but also, and I just thought of this right now, they they fired him and like, this is just a flat out firing. That guy's still getting paid. Still get, but is he gonna get his pension though from the league? Is when yeah. you're when you're fired though, you don't, you don't, you usually don't get a pension. If you once he retired, like they could have suspended him, and he didn't have to work any more NHL games, and that would have been fine. And you know, suspend without pay, and he'll get his uh, his pension once he's done. But to re- really one month left, and you're just gonna fire him? Like I said, Tim Peel, Tim Peel being caught saying that was a slap of the face in the NHL, and the NHL just gave it right back to him and and just cut him just like that. Um. I'm yeah, actually, you know what? I'm just trying. I'm just reading this. The I'm trying to read uh, the article right now. I'm trying to figure out whether or not he um, he was officially fired or just they said he's not gonna ref any more games. It, the statement said he he's not gonna ref any more games, or he won't be uh, officiating any longer. But um, so they never think- they never distinctly said fired. I mean, but I think if they were to suspend him, they would have said we're suspending uh, NHL official Tim Peel. They can't say, yeah, but what are they going to say? Suspend him for the rest of the season? No, they're just going to say he's not officiating the rest of the season. I don't know. I think I I I really I do think that like these, regardless, like something like that, like yeah, is slap in the face. But I do think like they're not going to fuck up the guy's pension. Over over a comment like that when the microphone was on was on when it was supposed to be off. Yeah, eh. I don't know. I don't know. 
I'm seeing it here on Yahoo. It says, was them briskly fired. So I guess it's kind of people, how the way they take it. Yeah, I think it's just the way they interpret it. Exactly. I would love to get the um, an official like stance on our official uh, confirmation from somebody at the league. Yeah. But I, I, should, uh, I don't know. I hope, I, I hope this guy gets, I hope he gets his, um, his pension because the guy's been working since 99. I mean, Oh, you know what? Here. I think I just found it. Uh, following his comments during the game last night between Detroit and, and Nashville will no longer be re- working NHL games for now or in the future. Yeah, he, so they never. That was the official, the official statement from Colin Campbell, or part of the official statement from Colin Campbell, like I mentioned earlier. And they never specifically said he has been let go. So I'm guessing he's suspended for the rest of the season until his contract's up. I hope I sure sh- well, suspended I sh- suspended indefinitely. Yeah, I I really do. Uh, uh, hope that's the case. Yeah, like I don't know. I I the guy worked his ass off for twenty one years and I or twenty two years actually for since ninety nine. And he if they really took away his pension, that that's a fucking that's a complete dick move by the league. Exactly. Exactly. I would not expect anything less from Gary Batman. <laughs> oh. Would not expect anything less from that fucking asshole. I, uh, I don't know. So two over two decades he refs for you. He officiates your games. Uh, he's doing playoff games, whatever, and uh, that—that's the way you're going to end it with him. I understand what when you say you're trying to protect the integrity of the game and you're not going to tolerate that kind of bullshit. But all—all all players and former players, former officials—they've chimed in. They've said all along, "Yeah, we know what happens. Uh, Make-up calls happen, and whatever." But. The the league hat the league they're not idiots the people working there they know that this is kind of what's going down and they just waited to make an example out of somebody and unfortunately uh, it's yeah it's just the way it's going to be Tim Peel he lost his job and hopefully he doesn't lose his pension for it yeah well uh, well we will update the situation as more news comes in as we get as we get more information we'll give our opinions on it as is the case with everything going on in the league but for now i think we should just send you guys off to our interview with dominic divincentis we hope you guys enjoy we are proud to be joined by north bay battalion draft pick goaltender dominic divincentis how are you doing today dom i'm good how are you guys we're doing i'm doing great thank you very much for asking Thank you for having me on here. Absolute pleasure. So uh, before we get into your um, your career up until uh, up until now, just I'm just curious. Goaltending is a position that it's not the most popular among players among among players when they first get started playing. Like every, usually, you see people going on as a skater, like me, Alex, and Joey, who's not currently uh, here today. We all we all got um, like we all played as a forward in our minor hockey careers. So what led you becoming a uh, goaltender? Yeah, so for me, I started off the same way like you guys did. I started off skating, uh, considered as a little Timbit hockey player, um, and then moved on to basically playing like house league player uh, when I was really young. 
And then one day uh, after a practice at Sports Village in Vaughan, uh, I was walking out of the rink with my dad and uh, I looked over and I saw there was a goalie session going on. But at the time, I wasn't I wasn't too sure about what the, what what they were. So I asked my dad, I go, dad, like, what are those? And he goes, those are goalies. And uh, ever since that day, I went home and I went I went to ask my grandmother if uh, if I can play goalie because we I used to live right next door to my grandmother. So I asked her, I go, can I can I play goalie? She's like, well, goalie is a tough position, but we can we can let you try. So she went out and bought me uh, street hockey gear. She goes, you won't be a goalie until you prove to me that you'll you'll actually be a goalie and not scared of the ball or the puck. So I, she ended up going out to get me road hockey gear and, and I went on, I went on the road and I started playing with all the, all the kids al- along the street, uh, playing road hockey. And I always wanted to be a goalie. And, uh, ever since that day, we just, I, I excelled in the position and I loved it like with all my heart. And that's what I wanted to become at the end of my career was a goalie. Um, so the, the, con- not the, the consensus ish around uh, goaltenders compared to players is it takes certain, it takes a special kind of insane to play goalie. Um, you think that's true coming, going, uh, coming from a goaltender, do you think that's a true uh, idea? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I, I hear from everyone, from all the players that uh, you have to be crazy to be a goalie. And we certainly are, we certainly are crazy in our own ways. I mean, I wouldn't say crazy as a, as a person outside of hockey, but the little things that you do before games and practices you won't see players doing that too much uh, prior to games or practices that goaltenders do. For example, uh, warming up your 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 eyes and your hands. Um, for goalies, that's a that's a very big factor. And prior to games and practices, is working on your hands and warming up your your hand eye coordination, uh, so you're ready for when that uh, game when the puck drops. Um, another thing is, I see some players doing this, but it's a lot. It's a lot of goaltenders that do this as visualization. And basically going in the stands or going on the bench or behind the net and just kind of visualizing what's going on on that ice before you actually get out there, uh, making sure you're ready in the state in the in the proper state of mind before um, before your game or practice that you actually visualize yourself in that position so that when it comes to you in what in the real life, uh, you're you're already prepared and you're already ahead of what's going on. Uh, you mentioned pregame rituals, uh, and you mentioned uh, the eye the eye work before the uh, before puck drop. Um, Connor Hellebuck, one of the most let's call it famous uh, goaltend uh, pregame uh, warmups, going out going side to side, looking side to side nonstop uh, on the bench. You one of those guys? Yeah. So for me, uh, in the GTHL, I mean, there's typically games or practices before uh, your game. So for me, I, I do my little warm up uh, with my hand eyes with my eyes. Sorry. Uh, with the the tennis balls, and then I move on to my stretching. And while I'm stretching, I'm 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 on I'm behind the net, and I do this purposely so that I could see the whole ice surface ahead of me, and I'm prepared to when I get in my crease. Because obviously goalies are you're in your crease, which you can see the whole ice surface. So I'm in that I'm in that the back of that net, basically visualizing myself um, in that position, so that when it comes in the games, I'm I'm prepared and I already know what I have to do before. Um, it actually happens. So basically, yeah, when, when Connor Hellebuck does it, and I see him a lot on, on TV, like morning highlights or um, prior to their games, um, they do point out a lot that he, he's one of those guys that is very focused prior to games and is, done, is, and is doing his uh, pregame visualization. So, yes, I do take points from him, and uh, 
I do definitely use it for myself. So you started goaltending out really young and usually every player when they're growing up, they usually model their game after a pro player. Who is your inspiration playing goalie? Who do you looked up to and try to replicate your style of play? So my, so my, um, my player that I look up to the most is Carey Price. Um, I know he's a, he's a, a typical guy that goaltenders say uh, as their model is uh, Carey Price. And yeah, that's one of, that's who I uh, look up to and I try to model my game on. Was anything in particular that set you off to follow K Price to model your game, or you're just one of the top goalies and uh, try to be like him as much as possible? Yeah. So for me, I there's a few things that I look up to and and reasons why I look up to him. Uh, first reason is definitely his on ice performances and the the stuff he does on ice. Um, and I'm sure I could speak for many many goalies out there that he's the one of the best at his job. So he's he's a very, very high-end goalie at stopping the puck, but it's the little things that he does that, that goalies don't see. And that's what I find is why I, I, I model my game after him. And some of those things are his puck handling ability. Uh, as, a goal, as a goalie, um, puck handling is, is a major thing that goalies need in their game um, as it can help win uh, team games. Um, another thing is this tracking ability from – along the ice from everywhere along the ice is, is phenomenal. And he's one of the best at it. As you can see, his goals against average and his save percentage is, is always at the top of the list that every year. And that has to do with him being able to see that puck at all times, whether it's uh, at the blue line or he's in a screen or a scramble play. Uh, that's what it takes to be a great goalie. And that's what I think he does um, excellent at. And another thing uh, that I, I model my game after is for him is because of his off ice, um, off the ice, what he does in the communities and um, stuff that he does behind the scenes of hockey. Uh, for example, his donations, uh, always giving back to the less fortunate. Um, basically doing this, he's doing this for himself, but he's also trying to give back at the same time for the people who can't play the amazing sport of hockey. And I find that, he does that. And, and those are things that I do like typically around Christmas time, I'll, I'll be going to give um, less fortunate people food and, and water and try to help them basically survive as I know they're not as fortunate as I am to play the amazing sport of hockey. And that's not everyone can. And that's why I feel like giving back is important is to make everyone equal in this world and make them make everyone feel comfortable. That's very well put, and that, that's really great to hear helping out the community. Now, I really I want to take a, um, a little bit of a shift. So COVID-19 has really impacted everybody in one way or another, and in the hockey community too, you know, rinks have been shut down for the longest time. I just want to know, how has it affected your development and trying to make the uh, – and trying to improve to make it to the next stage of your career? Yeah, so of course uh, COVID-19 for everyone is uh... – kind of ruined a lot of things in people's uh, daily life and in their future. But I, I don't typically use COVID as an excuse. I, I don't find it as a way to, to stop me from excelling at my game and trying to get better at all times. Obviously, rink shut down and gym shut down, but there's little things that you can do on your own um, that, that'll help you equally as much as being on the ice and being in the gym. So, for example, going out to, outside every day for a run, uh, keeping your cardio up, making sure you're prepared for when that season comes. Or for me, going in my basement with my my tennis balls or my lacrosse balls and 
am working on drills downstairs in the basement for me, for my hand eye, so that when I do get a season, I'm ready, I'm excelled, and I'm at the next level that people may not have worked on when they were in COVID, so that I'm prepared and I'm I'm mentally focused for when that time comes. I'm I'm ready to go at it hard and make sure I'm I'm the best ability that the best I can be at right now at that stage. Um, building on the COVID pandemic before, before uh, the pandemic started, were you more of an on ice, uh, trainer? Like, would you go, would you put more emphasis on on ice training as opposed to in the gym or at home? And, uh, has it changed? Like, has your training regimen changed much? So of course, yeah, like I said before, the, the on ice and off ice were, were key components in my game. Uh, but I'm lucky, I'm lucky enough to be at a private school named Everest Academy in Vaughan uh, that provides on-ice and off-ice training uh, throughout your day at school. So for me, I go to, the, I go to, uh, to school in the morning at 8.30 and I'm on the ice uh, for an hour uh, before my school day starts. And then throughout my school day, I, I have my academics and then one of my classes is gym. And it's not just a, a, an ordinary gym class like at a public high school where you play dodgeball or or tag or whatever. You actually, it's a physical, like people, um, the people there are actual phys- like teachers for gym. So it's weight training, uh, cardio training, core, uh, the things you need as an athlete to get to the next level. So for me, uh, going back to the question, yeah. So I was more, I was equally on ice and off ice every single day. Um, obviously I was on the ice a little bit more, uh, throughout the days as I I'd have morning skates with my school and then I would have a team practice after school. But, uh, I would say I would, I would emphasize both as uh, equal. So take us through the, um, the draft this year being selected by North Bay Battalion. It's an amazing accomplishment. Uh, how have you had the chance to talk to some, uh, current junior players or former junior players? just to get the, uh, an idea about how the draft went for the, how the draft process went to, for them and how it compares to it was for this past year for you. Yeah. So it was, it was truly an honor to be drafted by North Bay, um, in the, in the OHL draft. And uh, I couldn't be happier with the position I'm in right now. Um, I mean, typically on a, in a normal year, uh, the draft runs uh, basically the same way that it did, uh, even through COVID. Um, except the only thing is, is I guess the first couple rounds, uh, players, they get to go to the rink, um, the day of the draft or the day after the draft to, um, meet with their GM and their coaches and stuff. Well, this year they weren't able to do that. And a couple of weeks after the draft, typically it's, it's uh, rookie camp or, or, uh, um, draft camp basically for the team. And you go down there for a couple of days and you, and you do your camp your development camp with the the coaches and the GM being able to showcase yourself um, coming out of that draft. Well, this year, those, those obviously got canceled due to COVID and um, we weren't able to go down there. So, I mean, it was a little bit different for, for everyone. Uh, we were able to work around that. Um, and, and change is always a good thing for everyone. I, I don't take this as a way of, uh, of like, slowing me down or anything. I take this as a way to motivate me actually. So that when, even though they weren't able to see me a couple of weeks after the draft now through COVID, I've been working uh, extra hard so that when I get down there in a couple of months, uh, whenever hopefully COVID stops, I'm able to prove myself even more than I would be uh, at the start. So I was able to talk to a few people who, who have experienced this, this draft in a normal year. 
And they said the, the same thing. It's just they were able to get down to the rinks uh, a couple weeks after the draft. So how did you find out that you were drafted? Did you get a, an email, a phone call, a text? And who was it from? Yeah, so on the day of the draft, uh, like most kids, you're, you're watching the draft. It was, it was live on, uh, on computers and, and TVs and whatever. So I was, a, I was watching uh, pick by pick, uh, round by round. And uh, as soon as I got drafted on my TV, it was a little bit delayed. So I got, I got a delayed reaction from my TV. But then I got a phone call from the GM uh, right away. So I, was, I didn't know exactly who it was at the beginning. And then they said that uh, they ended up choosing me in the draft. And then I saw it on the computer. And that's when, uh, that's when I, I realized uh, what actually happened and, and how exciting it was for everyone. So what's the, uh, the next step once, uh, obviously, once the, uh, the OHL season uh, gets going? Obviously, it hasn't gone going up, uh, started up until now due to COVID restrictions. And, <coughs> excuse me. And obviously the rising case numbers uh, the, and the second wave that we just, uh, Ontario just underwent, which we're going into a third wave now, which is a topic for another time. Uh, so what's your next step? Uh, you recently signed your contract with the battalion. So um, are you guys going to have a training camp or is it going to be straight into the season if there is one? Yeah, so um, right now they're, it's kind of in the air uh, there. No one's no one's sure about what's going to happen uh, with this season. Obviously there's rumors going around that they're, they're looking to have a 25 game season. Um, everyone in hub cities, um, you play the same five, uh, same uh, few teams, 25 times. Um, and then that, that, that's pretty much the end of it. I guess it's just showcased uh, for the NHL draft, uh, which is in July. I'm pretty sure. So it's to, it's to showcase those kids who are in the draft this year. Um, obviously, I mean, there's really nothing uh, going on right now. Hopefully we get a couple of days of camp. Uh, if they do have the season this year, there's a couple of days of practice with your team to, to get to know everyone and get comfortable and get back on the ice a few times with the team before playing games. But um, they may end up calling it and just saying, you know what, you guys got to play your games and that's it, no practice. So I'm not I'm not completely sure about what's going to happen, and uh, hopefully we find out soon, and uh, hopefully we get a few days of practice and, and training camp before these games. Uh, so before you uh, in between the time that you were drafted and uh, to signing your contract, you were play, um, signed with uh, the Brampton Bombers in the GOJHL. Uh, you mentioned to us before uh, before recording that once you signed your contract with the Battalion, you couldn't play for that team anymore. Um, if the season were to be canceled, would you go back to Brampton or what would happen? Yeah, so I was I was signed with uh, the Caledon Bombers or Brampton Bombers uh, prior to the signing with North Bay Battalion. Um, right now, um, I'm eligible to play for either team, but um, obviously my right now there's no season for either team. So um, I would assume if, if North Bay gets canceled that the junior B team will, or GOJHL team would canceled as well. Um, but as of right now, if, if the OHL season does, does, um, does start up, I will be going down there with North Bay and, uh, and playing with their team. All right. Well said, uh, Alex, uh, is there anything else you'd like to discuss? No, uh, I think we covered it all. I really enjoyed this one. Talking to a future NHLer, hopefully. Uh, had a good time on this one.
All right. Yeah. Dom, we'd like to thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure talking and best of luck in the season. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a truly an honor. All right. Thank you. It was our, it was, the honor was all ours. Thank you so much. Have a good one, buddy. You too. We hope you guys enjoyed the interview. It was an absolute pleasure talking to Dom. Such a great guy. Su- such a bright future in the ho- in hockey. Now let's get to our uh, weekly division by division breakdown. So starting with Toronto, because of course, Kyle Dubas uh, was on hand for the Senators' three one win over the Flames on Wednesday. Um, how he, the exact reason for his little trip has not been announced. Uh, he hasn't has not been released as of yet. And um, but we all know it's for it's for scouting purposes. So the question is, who's he gonna try and uh, who do you think he's gonna go out to uh, try and sign? Or sorry, trying to trade for. If you look at both, if you look at both the teams, who do you think is most likely to get uh, dealt to Toronto? See, I was thinking prior to recording this show here, who it could quite possibly be, and I, I still don't know. I'm still trying to figure out um, who it'd be. I think the Leafs have the ingredients. Um, aside from Anderson being hurt right now. They have the ingredients to make a deep playoff push. I think it's just getting everything set properly. So for those of you who don't know or don't really follow the Leafs, on their Instagram page, they released the projected lineup. And for the last week and a half, two weeks or so, Zach Hyman's been placed on the fourth line. Um, And today they had Joe Thornton up on the first line. I'm I'm just really thinking, trying to understand where Keith is, well, Keith's coming from here. Um, like Hyman's been playing really, really well, and he's given every line he's played on a, a spark, and that line's played uh, fairly, fairly strong as of late. Mikheyev, Engvall, and Hyman, and I'm just trying to see um, who would they try to bring in to fill any gaps if they have, which I personally, I don't think so. Like I said, it's just a matter of figuring out the best, the best uh, combinations here. Um, I think you could possibly, if you wanted to, you can try your best to find my opinion, um, find a forward to replace Spets or Thornton. Um, really? I mean, I just really don't see, but then again, the thing is you have Nick Robertson who's on the forwards, uh, who's one of your forwards prospects. Mind you, I said last, uh, last week or two weeks ago that I think he's most likely to be dealt. Um, yeah, I just, I, I still don't know who, who, uh, who we'd be looking at. What do, what do you think? I'm curious to, to know here. All right. So before I get into my take on it, the thing with Toronto is, I think with Keith, the way he plays, he always starts off the game with with Thornton, Matthews, Marner. Hyman, yeah. o- Hyman always ends up working his way up there onto the onto the first line. Like I've mm-hmm. you've seen him multiple times in this season, and if, countless times this season, and uh, multiple times today in the game against Edmonton when we're recording this on Saturday night. Um, Hyman always ends up making his way back up onto the onto that top line, but like I'm looking at the projected lineup right now, like the at the time, project lineup. It was the official lineup, 
Hyman and Volmakayev on the fourth line. That's just a pure energy getting your face pissed the living shit out of off out of everybody line. Yeah. So that I know like I know why Heath has him playing as a, in the bottom six with that lineup because like you want he Keith looks for energy on his fourth line. He looks for speed. He looks for guys that can go there and just piss people off and put the puck in the net. Yeah. If you think about it, you got Hyman, who does literally everything. The guy's got the guy's got his speed. He's a complete workhorse, complete junkyard dog. Knows how to get to the net. Knows how to hit. Knows how to bang and crash. Get those fucking garbage goals in there. And with a guy like Engvall, who's huge, and a guy like Mikheyev, who's fast and he can and he can shoot. Yeah. While still while still being able to go there, bang, crash, make the nice play and make the nice plays. And I, if you think about it. Thorne is having a pretty damn good season. I'm not 100% sure what his point totals are. Considering he was injured for, a, a, for over a month, he's yeah. having a pretty damn good season. Simmons, came back. he's still coming back in his first few games. Still, I, I like the way he's been playing. I like the way he's played. Haven't, like, he, hasn't been, he hasn't been the Simmons of the beginning of the season, but he still has yeah. some, to get some time to get back into, the, into game shape. Yeah, I was going to say um, broken wrists, in particular broken hands. It takes a little while to ease back into your uh, exactly your game. Yeah, yeah, look at look at Austin. Look at Austin. Didn't break exactly. his wrist. Had a little exactly. injury for a few games, and he's come back, and he hasn't been the same. Exactly. And then you got on the third line, you got Spezza, Kerfoot, and Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk, he's been. I I was impressed by him. He was was buzzing around tonight. Yeah, yeah, Spets, yeah. yeah. Spets is having a great season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely insane season. That guy should be even should make the case for playing even higher up in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So. I don't. I personally, I like the way where I like where Hyman starts off the game and then have him come up with have him go up with Matthews and Marner to replace Thornton. Have Thornton go down to the fourth line if the if the play dictates it because you never like realistically Keith doesn't keep his line his lines the exact same. No, God no. You've seen you've seen mix and match all throughout the game, all throughout the season. Yeah. So I don't put much emphasis onto the onto the starting lineups like how he starts off the game, but. Okay, so that's enough of my take on that, and me uh, completely just pump, pumping the tires of Zach Hyman. <laughs> but moving on to like who I actually think the uh, Dubas was taking a look at. It's been said for for weeks that he that Toronto's looking to get a forward. So like I'm looking at like I'm on on the team both teams cap friendly pages looking at um it's called Ottawa. I don't see any like realistic. I don't see anybody like. They're not gonna get rid of the young guys, like so. That's just completely out of the question. Yeah, they're not gonna get rid of the young guys, and then all the guys up here, all the guys like that have a bit more experience. They're either too expensive for Toronto, which is hilarious because their highest paid forwards making five million bucks a season. Hmm. Um, but they're either too expensive or they just don't fit. Like, I don't see these guys being able to like Ryan. Ryan Dezingle is the only up. If this was last season. Ryan Dezingle is someone who I would have made a case for because he's he's yeah. more of a heavier a heavier player. Mm-hmm. But like I don't know, like from Ottawa from a forward standpoint, the only thing I could think of is Nick Paul, one point three five million bucks a season for the next one for one more year after this. Yeah, I don't, I don't go. I I've been beating this drum, I've been beating this drum for a while. I think he was going there to take a look over at Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett, eh? There were talks um, about a month ago or whatever. I think you said that uh, Sam Bennett and the Leafs could be a fit, and they'd uh, trade Engvall. I believe that Kerfoot. was the rumor. Kerfoot uh, and Engvall. Kerfoot. I think it was Kerfoot and Eng- Kerfoot and, and Engvall. Kerfoot, 
it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Kerfoot angle um, a pick for Bennett plus. Yeah, it was something along those lines. Regardless, um, I just like I said, I don't see the need to improve. There's always room for improvement. Don't get me wrong, but uh, at the same time, you kind of have to be reasonable. And the Leafs are by far in one of the worst cap crunches in the league. Um, and I think this lineup you have, it it will compete with other teams. I don't think you have to try and bolster it any more than you do. You just have to find the right combinations. Um, I, I can see where, uh, how you mentioned, Bennett could fit into the lineup. It's just I don't, I don't think it's a necessary fit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I just, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's necessary. Sorry, I'm just quickly checking something in case we wasn't starting that game. Because I was thinking as a potential like dark horse scouting job for Dubis, Dave Riddick from Calgary. He didn't start he didn't start that game, but at the same time I feel like one of the chances that that Dubis went there went to watch the game with the intention of possibly looking at a goalie. Because and we're gonna get into this with the um we're gonna, we'll get into it with the Freddie Anderson injury, but like I'm looking that's the yeah. one. That's the only other position I could think of because on defense, they they have a pretty damn good defensive core. There's no, there's really nobody mm-hmm. who I could see coming from either teams. Like unless you want to say, unless you want to go after like a Nikita Nesterov or Mike or Mike Stone from Calgary, who which at the same like at, when you're thinking of that, like what the fuck's the point? Yeah. If you look at it, you got okay, Markstrom from Calgary. Markstrom's untouchable. They just got mm-hmm. him. Dave Riddick, he's making two point seven five million bucks this season. Yeah. If I just quickly pull up his stats, I had it, but I lost it. Give me a second. In twelve games this season, two point eight six GAA with a nine oh eight save percentage, one shutout. And I think that one shutout was actually against Toronto. So do you think that if hypothetically, if Dubis was looking at Dave Riddick? Would he be a replacement for Anderson? God no, God no. Campbell's been playing well, so what would be the? Uh... I think the I think the reason the only reason he would go after Anderson, and this is we're gonna get into this because it was from a report, and this actually perfect segue, uh, um, is if Freddie's out for the season. I think I think that's the only reasoning. For uh, for going out and acquiring another goalie, and if they were to acquire another goalie, it would be David Riddick, because mm-hmm. like no because the no quarantine. Because if you think yeah. about it, if you think about it, you look at the other teams, you look at Ottawa. I, like I would not want any of those goalies. Like all, yeah. all respect to Matt Murray, he had a great career. Yeah. He's had a great career up until now. He's making a bit mu- a bit too much in the cap. Yeah. He's making like what five? Uh, yes. Uh, checking right now. Where is it? I'm just if if we were six to, and a quarter. Damn, six and a quarter for the next four years, including this. I thought it was, or is that Markstrom that's at five? Markstrom is at I don't know. Whatever. Uh, okay. Besides, uh, besides the point. Um, I just if we were to know, or if we were to um heard that it was a season ending injury, I think we would have found out already. Because all the reports I've been seeing, he'd be out for seven to ten days, seven to ten days, and I'm just, I'm just thinking if we, if he were to be out, um, 
if he were to be out the rest of the season, I think there'd be more buzz um, for the Leafs trying to find another goaltender. Yeah, but I truly I, do but think I so. Also, but I also have a feeling that Dubis is preparing for the worst, which is smart. I think he's preparing for the worst by going and scouting these teams so that, especially considering it's in Canada, there's no quarantine rules. Yeah. Uh, going across Canada. So I feel like he's gonna he's going out and scouting these teams while taking a look at the goaltending at their goaltending situation. Because if Freddie were to get if Freddie's injury were to get worse, if he were to have a setback where he wouldn't be ready in time for playoffs or he wouldn't be ready for the season, then I think that I think that's when he would pull the trigger on a trade right away and know exactly who he wants, just so he doesn't go out and get like get some goalie who he hasn't been able he hasn't done his homework on, who he hasn't seen in person. Going, uh, coming to Toronto for a stupid amount of for a stupid uh, cost mm-hmm. that can just come, that can fuck the season up. Like, because goaltending, think about it. Goaltending is the most important position in hockey. Yeah, and um, and you that's one position that that's the position you want to you want to put the most research into, the most scouting into from yeah. a pro, from a pro scout perspective, because like you, that's if you fuck up that position, you have a complete idiot in that. You're yeah. screwed. Yeah. No matter no matter how good your team is, you, there's no way you can you can't you. It's impossible to hold a team to zero shots. So yeah. you put a, you put basically a complete pile on a net, you're fucked. I'm just <coughs> trying to think. Like, I don't see his injury being done for the season. Um, there's also reports that he's not coming back for a little while. Um. That Campbell will have the net for the foreseeable future, but I think when we had this conversation last week, if Campbell should be a starter, I think this is the perfect opportunity for the Leafs to ride him and to see whether or not he's capable of. And I don't think we pull the 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 or push the uh, panic button on trying to find another goaltender right away. Is we still have there's still three weeks or more or less to the trade deadline. Um, I just uh, I, I can't see the Leafs downgrading to Dave Riddick, especially if Anderson isn't healthy. I I, it, I, I don't I don't see how it's logical. I mean, yeah, and yes, yeah, so. This is from NBC Sports Edge it's from the 24th of March. Um, Sheldon Keefe was told not to expect Freddie Anderson back for 7 to 10 days. Um, Keefe said there's currently no timeline for Anderson's return, though. Um, Conflicting reports. That's from the same report. Oh, sorry. It's from the same report. Taken straight from my taken straight from the uh, from my Yahoo Fantasy uh, my Yahoo Fantasy Hockey uh, app because I have Freddie as my goal as my goalie on my fucking uh, lineup and he's and he's screwing me this year, yeah. completely screwing me. Uh, but this is taken from Saturday Night Headlines just a few hours ago at the time of recording. No update. On, this is from Elliot Friedman. No update on Freddie's injury. The Leafs say it's not season ending. And the team's not looking to acquire a goaltender at the deadline unless they absolutely need one. Which mm-hmm. there's been rumors of of Toronto being in contact with LA over Jonathan Quick, which would be a complete stupid decision because that guy is yeah. way far past his prime and way, making way too much money. Yep. 
So I don't know. I don't know. I still think that they're they're looking at a forward, and I still I think that Sam Bennett is the guy that they can, uh, that Dubis went to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Unless he can try and swing a deal for Andrew Andrew Mangiapane to get a, to get another Italian into Wood into Toronto. Because why not, right? Because why not? It's Toronto. Uh, <laughs> Toronto's uh, a nice Toronto. I think Mangiapane is from Toronto. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't know. Wouldn't be surprised yeah, think, if, he's from, if he's from Woodbridge. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, from Toronto. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, it, this is just one of those time will tell uh situations, especially because there's no um indicators necessarily pointing towards uh Dubis scouting for a goalie. 100 the need to scout for goalie or a uh, or a forward. So we can speculate all we want, but there's just no if if 100% Anderson was out the rest of the season, then it's one of those okay, yeah, there's a very high possibility that he's there looking at a goalie. But um, right now, because Anderson hasn't been uh, listed as out for the season, I think we're just uh, we just kind of have to wait to see what Dubis does here. Yeah, I don't know. Um... Yeah, this could all, but this could, and I said this before, um, referring to to the goaltending situation. But this could be the same situation for just the entire the entirety of the team. Yeah. This could just be some pre scouting work, just because with the deadline coming up, just to see. Like, I I would not be surprised if I see him at a Vancouver Edmonton game. This uh, at a Vancouver Edmonton game, uh, the, or a Winnipeg game, yeah. in the next week or so. Actually, Vancouver Edmonton. Sorry, no, uh, a Vancouver Winnipeg game because they Toronto's playing Edmonton. They're playing Edmonton tonight. They're going to play them again in a couple of days. And then Monday again, they're playing them. Exactly. But so, I don't know. We'll see. The tra- uh, trade deadline's coming up. So we will have our full breakdown of the trade deadline before and after the deadline passes on. We'll do one for the for the Canadian deadline, one for the American uh, for the American deadline. So stay tuned for that. And Sam Bennett, he's just scored. Actually, are you watching the game right now? Yep, making a case for himself. Damn. Making a case for uh, replacing Willie on the second line. Oh, man. All right, moving on from uh, moving on from Toronto, sadly, to uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And they've uh, been busy in the past few days acquiring Eric Stahl from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for a third and a fifth-round pick in this year's draft. For... Um, Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken, is retaining 50% of Stahl's salary for the season, which is, yeah, retaining 50% of Stahl's Stahl's salary at $3.250 million a year for the for the rest of the season, and that that was already retained partially after he was traded from Minnesota to Buffalo. When Buffalo said, when Buffalo GM Kevin Adams said that uh, they were going to try and win the cup this season, Oof, what a jo- what a complete joke of a team! That, this is like this is hilarious. So I don't know. Um, before we get into the Cole Caulfield's, yeah, Cole Caulfield signing, where do you think um, Stahl is going to fit in on this team? Ah. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. Th- this can be tough because he he has had uh, not not the worst year of his career. 
he's played fairly decent. Um, I think it can be one of those uh, like Joe Thornton situation where they do put him on the first line just to try him out. Um, if not, I think I see him bumping Corey Perry off the third line into the into the fourth line, and Jordan Stahl or sorry Eric Stahl um, will take that third line spot. Um, I'm looking at daily faceoffs here. They also have him in the in the third line spot too. I think it's the right spot. Um, Nick Suzuki, he can go up or down uh, the lineup. He's the two C right now, but I think he can at some point possibly fall for the third spot, and Nick Stahl will bump up. But um, I think the third the third uh, line is. I think the most sense or logical, the most logical spot for him. Yeah, I'm looking over at the uh, daily face of myself, and I yeah, I agree. I think they are going to give him a shot up at the at the bare minimum, the second line with Druen and Anderson for the for I'd say at least for a game, maybe two. Just to see how he performs in a more prominent role. I'm not 100 sure where he was playing in Buffalo. If he was playing in the top two, top two lines, which would not wouldn't surprise me because who the hell do they have at center? Jack Eichel, but he's hurt. Yeah, Jack. Actually, he might have been playing 25, 28 minutes a night for Buffalo. Yeah, in the last two days. Yeah, I don't. I it'll be interesting to see if see uh, him playing with Corey Perry, which actually. I saw I saw this on uh, on Instagram uh, once the trade ha- once the trade went through. Who do you think has the better group of players from 2012, Montreal or Toronto? Toronto having Spezza, Thornton, and Simmons. Montreal having Shea Weber, having yeah, Shea Weber, Eric Stahl, Corey Perry, and that's it. Oh, uh, this is tough. I, I'm going to go with Montreal, and I know that might hurt you deep down. It hurts me to say it. Um, just because Shea Weber's had such a prominent role on every team he's been on. He has here in Montreal. He has, uh, or he did have when he was on Nashville. If you look at the Olympic team when he played with Team Canada, he had a big role there. And then the exact same for Corey Perry. He was, he was one of the top players back when he was playing in Anaheim. Uh, he also played on the Canadian Olympic team. It's just, they've done so much, this group of players, to their teams that they've played on. Don't get me wrong. Spezza, Simmons, and uh, Thornton, they've done really well for the teams they have played on too, respectfully. Um, but I just think this group here, I think that takes the cake in a, a better set. The best set of players. I don't. Know, I think it's pretty damn close. I think it's pretty damn close because Thornton is one of the one of the best playmakers in history. I have to admit it. He's I think yeah. what seventh in assists all time. One of the best playmakers in in NHL history. Yeah. And then you got Simmons. Simmons, who I think 20, I think twenty twelve he actually had thirty goals, thirty or thirty five. Yeah, had a really good year. Uh, and then you got Spezza, who I'd say I would make the case for Spezza being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh wow, really? Eh? Yeah. I mm, 
I he does to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't know. Has he been underrated his entire career? Yes, I think so, one hundred percent. Do I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't know. I, I really deep down I want to say he will be, but I just no honestly I don't think he will be. Okay, uh, get it. let's get back on track here. Eric Stahl, actually this season, I'm looking at stats right now. My God. Granted, this is Buffalo, and the entire team has been absolutely disgustingly terrible this season. In 32 games played, three goals, seven assists for 10 points, eight penalty minutes, dash 20. God. Dash 20. So uh, I think he's going to end up going. I do see him going and playing with with more. You know what? I, I, I guess I could really make the case for a guy like Josh Anderson playing with him to get. Uh, Playing up there on the second line, having more of a having more of an offensive role, while having guys that having a bigger guy like Anderson who can play on the defensive end, um, come in and give him a hand. I, I don't know. Honestly, uh, I think the only reason why I'd say Eric Stahl would stay on the second line is because also today, just before we were recording, uh, Cole Caulfield signed his ELC. So I do think. Um, buddy, buddy, you're getting a, you're getting ahead of the show right now. Like, come on! No, I know, I know. It ties it ties in though. It ties in though. Um, l- listen to me. If they if they bring him in into that starting lineup, I think you put him right next to Eric Stahl, and you try to have Cole Caulfield learn with Eric Eric Stahl for somebody who has so much experience. You you know what I mean? Um, I don't see you putting Cole Caulfield on the fourth line being beneficial to him. I think if you get him on the third line and you put him next to Eric Stahl and Arturi Lekkonen, you have playmakers and you have um, experienced players in Stahl. So I I do see it being a good fit. I I really do. The question question is, and how is this going to work once... And, the, and this is actually bringing me to my next thought, to the next topic. Montreal's got so many injuries. Like, they got Joel Armia injured. They got Kock and Yemi day to day. Yeah, they got, sorry, Ben Sherratt's out on LTIR. They got Toffoli, Armia, and Kock and Yemi on day to day. And I think it was, was it Kock and Yemi and Toffoli on COVID protocol? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I do think so. So once they get back, it's you're going to end up having them. Obviously, you're going to have Toffoli up in the first line. So you're going to have Tatar move down. You're going to have like one of and you're going to have one of Tatar, Druen, and Anderson moving on to the third line because I think Gallagher is going to stay up on that first line. Oh, for sure. So you got Cock and Yemi who's going to come in. So you're saying so they basically that basically means that Stahl is going to end up playing fourth line center. Hmm. And I don't know. I do think so. I do think who, so. Who takes that third line spot then? Kak and Yemi. Mm. I don't know. I don't that's, know. That's, that's tough. That's, uh, I mean, you can't, you can make a case for that. I can see where, uh, I can see where you're coming from. If you're to put Kak and Yemi on the third line. 
unless you want to throw Kakanyama in the wing, which honestly, I in the game in the Montreal games I've seen only when they, when they play against Toronto, mm-hmm. um, I have not seen Kakanyemi play on the wing aside from maybe on the power play. Oh, this is this this is a tough one here. This is only because I'm thinking that Kakanyemi he's going to come back and is. I think in his first game, it's going to be inevitable. He's going to be put on the fourth line for a conditioning stint, like a one game, he's back into it sort of thing. And I think that's going to leave no choice for Eric Stahl to play on the third line. On the third line, really? Eric Stahl, yeah. For at least the first game that uh, Cockney Emmy comes back, I think that's going to be the uh, game where he goes out and proves himself to try to, or that he can play that third line on the third line center spot um okay so i could be wrong here but are they not just waiting like in covid protocol but not actually diagnosed with covid because i know that montreal opened up their practice facilities or they are going to open up their practice facilities on monday so yeah i don't know i don't think they haven't tested for it they're just in the uh what they call it the contact tracing i believe they're in the protocol list, but the uh, con- they were part of the contact tracing. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving on, like you mentioned, Cole Caulfield, he signed his uh, his ELC with the Montreal Canadiens, which is a, if I'm not mistaken, I was listening, I was I was listening to it from headlines. It's just a basic, like bare bones, league minimum, ELC or basic uh, rookie level ELC. With no bonuses whatsoever, I'm gonna pull it up right now on Cap Friendly. But I do not, because I know I think it was Friedman was mentioning how there's no bonuses because he um, he couldn't afford. Um, what's it called? Montreal would not be able to afford it. So I'm looking at it right now. Cap. He's got a cap at of eight eighty eight eight hundred eighty thousand eight hundred thirty three dollars. Mm-hmm. For the next three years, uh, two years after this, because he's burnt, he's gonna burn the first year of his ELC this this season. Sure. This season, he's got one hundred thirty-two thousand dollars perform in performance bonuses. Next season, he's got three hundred thousand dollars in bonuses, and then the year after that, eight hundred fifty grand in performance bonuses. Um, yeah. So this season, if he plays ten games, he's gonna get twenty-five grand. If he plays twenty games, he's gonna get an additional one hundred seven point five grand. So, yeah, because Montreal is in absolute cap hell right now, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to take a quick look at their cap-friendly page. Yeah, they got 500K worth of cap space this, to play with. Who's their highest paid over there? Uh, Weber. Weber. Or no, no, Price. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, I forgot. He's at 10, right? I'm 10, 10 and a half. Ten and a half for five more years after this season. Oh God! Uh, I mean, uh, next se- next season that's gonna that cap's gonna drop a little bit because you got Jake out. Al- Jake Allen, uh, he's making four point three five this season, and the next year he's uh, he starts a new two year extension at two point eight seven five. Okay. I'm trying to think who else they got that's gonna be that's expiring at the end at the end of the season. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking here. Tatar's done 4.8. Philip Deneau's done 3.083. Armia's done 2.6. Lekkinen 
Eric Stahl, obviously, at 1.625 after the 50% cap retention. Uh, Yemi needs an extension at the end of the season. I think Dano's, I think they're going to try, Dano's going to request, like, because what was that extension that he turned down? 5.5 by 5? I don't remember. I don't recall him getting extension. I may have missed it. Or being offered. No, I, I know we do know because we talked about this in a previous episode. Um, he, I know he turned down an extension because he didn't. Because if I remember correctly, he just he wanted to know his place in the team because the he didn't want to just be like some middle six, but he wanted to have the chance of playing. Either he wanted to have the chance of playing higher up in the lineup, or he wanted to like know if he's going to end up playing more defensive, more offensive, like they just didn't give him that. I don't know. Mm. But that that was a saga that's going to I feel like it's going to take a long time into the summer to finally decide. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh personally I see Caulfield sign uh starting in the AHL. AHL? Yeah, because I, Yeah, I go. Before we continue with that, just a little just to get a little bit of um prior uh not prior knowledge, a little bit of uh context. He finished off his NCAA career with the University of Wisconsin. 31 games, 30 goals, 22 assists for 52 points. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do not see him going straight from NCAA into the NHL. I think he will be there for the playoffs. But I don't know. I think he's going to end up I think he's going to end up starting the AHL, getting his feel for pro hockey. And then from there, moving up into the taxi squad, and then eventually into the into the NHL roster by the end of the season, replacing a guy like Jake Evans, who is on an ELC. Uh, I can, I would, I want to say that they're gonna bring him right into, right into their lineup at say fourth line or whatever, um, only because they have the chance to be cup or. Maybe not necessarily cup contenders unless everything goes their way, but I do see them having a real shot at the playoffs here. Um, I think uh, Caulfield, he's only gonna increase those odds, and we've seen him the way he just absolutely puts up ridiculous numbers uh, with Wisconsin. Um, mind you, he is one of the smaller guys that we've seen come into the Five league. Five foot seven. Five, yeah, and he's only like 165 pounds and change, or 160, something like that. Um, yeah, 165. So he won't make the biggest, hopefully he will, but I don't think he'll make the biggest impact in terms of uh, physicality, but I think his skill alone is going to be enough to get him into that starting lineup. I really do think so. Um, or he plays, like you were saying, I don't know, how long you think he'll be in the AHL and the, on the affiliate three, team? Three weeks. You think it's three weeks? I think in three weeks. I think you could be right. You most definitely can. Like you say, smaller guy has to get used to the uh, playing with the big boys. Um, but I, th- I can see him just sticking, uh, getting stuck right into that, right into that starting lineup. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. I don't. We'll see like in the next um, weeks, in the next seven days now, because uh, because of the new quarantine laws, like we mentioned. But mm-hmm. with these with these additions, it brings me to my next my next topic. 
do you think that the Montreal Canadiens are a are a a contender to come out of the North Division? They're they're, they're currently in they're currently in fourth place, and they are yeah. uh they're in fourth place. They are roughly oh my god, I don't know why I can't do math quickly now. They're six points back of the. Actually, no, they're in a they're in a playoff spot right now. If the, if the playoffs were to start today, they'd be playing Toronto. Yeah, they are nine points back of first place with three games in hand on the first place Maple Leafs. Uh, they will, they'll be um, playoff content. Well, you said they're in a playoff spot. It's a matter of if uh, Vancouver catches them, but Montreal does have six games in hand and they're up two points. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be in the, a playoff spot come uh, playoff time. I just don't see them making out of the North. Um, I just Cole Caulfield, he improves their chances slightly of coming out of the North um, into the playoffs, making it to the next round. Um, I just don't see them legit contenders at making a cup run. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see what happens. Um, Okay, granted, we're a little bit biased, granted, because we're all Toronto fans. Yeah. But I do think that the acquisitions of Stahl and uh, Caulfield make them a make them a lot better, make them a lot more de- deep on the forward core. And if I'm looking at their thing, I'm looking at their stats right now, plus 13 goal differential, so... So that's that's only gonna start going up, and um, yeah, I think I I real realistically I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna put out here there right now Montreal Toronto North final North final Montreal Toronto North final hmm we should, that that honestly that would be a great series having uh would it be hundred percent it'd be oh that'd be a great series uh I just hmm. Well, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't see it. I. I can't. Why? Who you? Who's uh, your uh, pick for the North Final? Because I have Toronto in there. Not for yeah. Call it bias. Whatever. I. I do think. No. Re- listen. Re- listen. I'm gonna be honest. Like bias aside. Yeah. I. I think they're legitimately. They're legitimately. A, a they're legitimately contenders now. Yeah. Yeah. What's especially, especially with the the division alignment this year. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I, they're legitimate contenders to make it to the final four. Yeah, uh, they're legitimate contenders uh, for sure. I just think it's a toss up between Winnipeg and Edmonton. Really, uh, both of them. They've sh- both teams have showed um, promising signs of being uh, contenders in the division. Well, they both are, but to making a cup run, um, it's just a matter of which one can stay more consistent the rest of the way i don't know to me it's a 50 50 if i were to choose one i'd say winnipeg only because i think um they do have they do have that uh playoff experience so i think they they will know how to get the job done more than the edmonton oilers then they'll know what it takes yeah you make you do make a good point and um now that i'm thinking about it their playoff aspirations, they're going to live and die with Carey Price. Yeah, 100%. Everything relies on that guy. I mean, everything relies... The goaltender, like I said, 
when we're talking about Freddie, the goalie is, the goaltending is the most important position in hockey. Yeah. And the way Carey Price, who some consider still consider the best goalie in the world, I do not. No. Like the way he's been playing, I he's got to pick it up if they want to have any chance of win, of making any noise in the playoffs this year. And from out, outside of the goaltending stat perspective, this is their best chance in a long time. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. We could say the same thing about Toronto as well. But I guess yeah. we'll that's why I say – that's why I'm saying um, Toronto-Montreal final. Because I honestly, I think Edmonton's going to get knocked in the first round. You think so? I think Edmonton's going to get knocked in the first round. You know, I would love – I would love to see Edmonton play Toronto in a seven-game series. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I think. I think. I think Hyman would. I think Hyman would fucking uh, would t- would have that team for dinner on a nightly basis. Yeah, he he has had his way with them. He's had I his just, way with everybody though. That guy's a complete machine. Yeah, he's having a really good year, and I'd love to see him do well. I really do. It's just unfortunately from a. Hold uh, from a team standpoint, from a front office, couldn't come at a worse time. Yep, he's going to a contract year, and he's really proving that he deserves to be in that in that category of between five and six per year. Yep, and that's sad. And, like every like from a fan's perspective, like just from a like a hockey fan perspective, I love watching him succeed. But oh from yeah, a, but from like a a realistic and like a logistic standpoint. Every time I see him score, every time I see him make an, an, a great play, every time I see him make a nice hit, yeah. all I think of is, okay, yeah, he's not coming back. Yeah, exa- exactly. I have the same, the same feeling. You know, he, he keeps he keeps putting numbers up, and it's just, it's well, enjoy it while it lasts, sort of thing. Uh, exactly. Unless unless he decides to take a massive hometown discount. I mean, Which he's got the, I mean, Hyman seems like the kind of person to do it, but him being 20, 27, I think it is right now. Yeah, I think so. That that's not doing him any favors. This is his chance to to score a contract and help him or secure the bag, as they say. Um, I just uh, his chances of staying in Toronto, I think, are extremely slim. I think that if he does stay. Which I hope that God he does. Like I would trade Nylander. To, I would trade Willie in a second if that means that we can keep Hyman. Mm-hmm. I think he signs on a two-year extension. Think? I think he signs on a hometown discount for a two-year extension, just to bring him to the point where the cap goes up after the flat cap's done. Because I feel like when the flat cap's done, I think the cap's gonna bump, bump up five six million. Yeah. Which with, I mean- which by that point we will be able to afford to pay him. Yeah, salary. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's gonna be a lot of changes coming in Toronto due to Freddie him Hyman needing a contract, like we mentioned. Freddie needing a contract in at the end of the year, like we've beaten that drum a million times. Uh, Morgan Riley is gonna need an extension after next season. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Like I'm trying to think who else, but at the same, I don't know. It'll be very interesting. It's but be, yeah. well, that's a top. That's a topic for another time. Uh, moving on out of the North Division. Oh, actually, not even out of the North Division. Sorry. Uh, Chris Johnston reported today on headlines that Carolina has shown major interest in Travis Hamanick from the Vancouver Canucks. What with Ham, but Hamanick 
also set, has said on multiple occasions that he wants to stay in Western Canada. Because, if I'm not mistaken, is he an Alberta boy? Man, uh, Manitoba boy. Manitoba. Yeah, Manitoba, yeah. Manitoba boy signed on a one-year, $1.25 million contract with the Canucks. This season with the team, 19 games, to assists, minus three. Um, I don't know what his ice time's been. been. I don't know. Actually, I'm going to take a quick look. I don't know why I didn't do this originally. Daily face-off. Vancouver. Uh, he is currently. He's currently playing with Quinn Hughes on the second pair, which, I don't know. And then I look over at, and then I look over at Carolina's team. They got two million bucks in cap space, so from a cap standpoint, they can make it work. And you look at their defense core, like, why do they need him? They got Dougie Hamilton, Sl- Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Hayden Fleury, and Jake Bean as their top six. And then I know they have somebody else on. They got Jake Gardner in the taxi squad. Mm-hmm. Like, why do they don't need him? They, they have no need for a guy like Hamannick. They don't need him necessarily. And they're, uh-huh. and they're second in the league. Yeah, I was just going to say, they're second in the league. They don't need them. But one thing we learned is you, there's there's no such thing as too many defensemen. That's, like, that's just that's just flat out. In hockey, it's just the way it is. You can never have too many defensemen. You can never have too many right-handed defensemen. And Yeah, even at that, that that's an added bonus. You can never have too many of them. And um, if I have a... Travis Hamnick, I understand you want to stay in Canada and all, but let, let's be real. Vancouver isn't going to the playoffs, and the Hurricanes are second in the league. They're one, they have one game in hand over Tampa Bay, and they're behind one point. So they're, they're legitimate cup contenders, and if you want a chance at winning Lord Stanley's championship, you're going to hopefully use as much push as possible you know, try make it known to your management that, you know what, if they're expressing interest in me, do what's best for my career here and, you know, try to try to work out a deal that sends me to Carolina. Um, I think I can see, I see him on the third pairing. Unfortunately, I don't think he bumps out Brett Pesci or Brady Shea into the third line, into the third pair, but, you know, that's going to be one hell of a hockey team if they do. They already are. Don't get me they wrong. They are. They already are. They are. Yeah. Um, but if they're able to land Travis Hamannick, and like I said, you can never have too many defensemen and right-handed defensemen, uh, you just solidify them that much more at uh, being one of the few teams that can win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. And not, and actually, now that we're talking about Hamannick, I don't know, it reminded me of something. So there was a lot of, in the, at the 2017 draft, there was a lot of rumors about Hamannick being traded when he was back when he was with the Islanders. Do you remember what the Leafs offered for Hamannick? I don't remember what they offered. I just know there was a lot of interest in him. They offered a, fir- they offered a first, a second, and a third. God, if I could be wrong, I could be wrong. This is again 
four years ago, three and a half years ago, whatever. But Lamorello was him. It was Lou. Yeah, it was Lou. So if I'm not, if if my memory serves me correctly, they offered a first, a second, and a third to the Islanders in exchange for Travis Hamonic, and Hamonic was ended up being traded along with a conditional fourth round pick to the Calgary Flames for a first round pick in 2018, which ended up being 12th overall Noah Dobson, mm-hmm. a second in 2018. And a conditional second in 2019, which those seconds ended up being Ruslan Iskakov. Iskakov. I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Probably not. And Samuel Bulduk. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just kind of like speechless that that's what that that that's what we were uh, offering. Holy yeah. shit. Because he was one, he was a pretty damn at the time. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. He was a he, he hell was, of a, he was a hell of a defenseman. He's able to put up points. Uh, in that season, he had the sixteen seventeen season. He had fourteen points in forty nine games. That's not bad for a defenseman. It's just the thing when you, <laughs> when roughly, you look at roughly a thirty point pace for a defenseman. Yeah, but when you look at a first, a second, and a third. If you, look at, if you look at a first and two seconds. Yeah. I, I, but if I'm not mistaken, was that not also the draft where, like, everything just went to shit and everyone... Like, that was the year that, like, the um, the Lucic contract was signed. That was the year that the um, Erickson contract was signed. Oh, uh... 2017. Yeah, there's a whole... Either yeah. 20, it was either 16 or 17 where that whole... It was just a shit show. I believe it was seventeen. Yeah, that uh, that was. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what some Andrews were thinking that year. Honestly, my but, God, uh, I just. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, he Lamorello, GM of the Leafs, offers the Islanders first, second, and third for Hamonic, and then just a couple seasons later, he's back with the Islanders again. Yeah, it makes total fucking sense. I don't. Is, I don't think. Is, I don't think there's any backdoor shit going on there. I no, no. I'm. I'm just playing. I, I just. No. Uh, but oh man, I, I don't understand how, like anybody at his in his front office in Lamorello's front office can sit there and be like, okay, yeah, you know what, we support that. Uh, hopefully they say yes. You know what I mean? It just. Uh, wow. Well, that's all. I don't know, because if I'm not mistaken, Hamnick is 30, so he would have been, what, 25 at that time. 20, 2017? Uh, he's going to be 31 this year, so he would have been 26. 26, yeah. He would have been 26 at the time, 26, 27. A prime right-handed defenseman, that's, that's, that's far, and, far and few. When you get the chance, I understand, you try to, you know, you throw a little bit of... Uh, little bit of bait to see if you can get him but first second and third does seem quite hefty yeah uh honestly thank god toronto didn't pay that because that would not have worked out but you know you never know having him play with riley maybe that could maybe something could have happened from there by all means yeah for sure it could have he's both of them are really great defensemen i think they could if they work together they could uh, complement each other really well, but uh, 
just seeing the way everything's kind of played out with Hamannick. Uh, I don't think he is, he's worth all that. But at, back to the point that we were talking about, if he if there is the offer, if the offer does stand and the Hurricanes are interested, Hamannick, I think he should uh, push the Canucks to get him on that team for a legitimate cup run. Exactly. Yeah, I think I I think that. I don't think I don't think that trade's gonna go through. I don't think that's an actual possibility because again, way too deep. Granted, like you said, you can never have too many right-handed defensemen. Yeah. And right-handed defensemen do come at a premium, however. So yeah. I'm curious if they're gonna if they're gonna end up trading a defenseman off of their roster for uh Hammock. Well, they have uh their cap, current cap space, they have five and a half million dollars left, the Hurricanes. So <laughs> And the, the oh, who's retaining? The Flames, I believe, they're ret- aren't they retaining 50% of uh, Hamnick's contract? Uh, no, Hamnick was just a flat-out UFA signing. I thought he was get- his camp- contract was getting retained. No, or, no. Am I wrong here? Yeah, I think you're wrong okay, here. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about somebody else then. Never mind. Um, um, go ahead. Being retained from from Calgary? Yeah, I thought there was somebody being retained. Where? Oh, let me just oh I don't know. My, probably, I, it's either slipped my mind or I'm just dreaming things up here. No, no that does sound right. Uh, uh, bio history, no. Besides the point, the Canes have $5.5 million in cap space left. So they're not hurting, um, or they're not in a cap crunch. So It, it could make sense that Sorry, you said, you said Carolina? No, Calgary. Oh, Calgary, sorry. Calgary, yeah. No, so Calgary doesn't have five and a half million bucks in cap space. No, no, no. I'm saying the re- the contract retained came from Calgary. The, the Hurricanes have five and a half in uh, cap space. Yeah, Hurricanes have 2.021. I don't know what numbers you're reading. Current projected right below it, current cap space. Yeah, current cap, projected cap space, current cap space based off of, oh, based off of LTIR usage. Well, yeah. Yeah, because you got Teravine on, on LTIR. My mistake. Yeah, so, I don't know. It could it it could definitely make sense. And if I were Hamnick, 100% make the move. Uh, I guess we'll see, we shall see what happens. And uh, moving on to the final topic of the night, because we can't go an episode without just completely shitting on the Sabres. I wish Joey was here for this. Uh, because of Buffalo's like, complete shit season, they've been getting a lot of trade calls because they're going to be aggressively selling at the deadline. And the person that has been getting the most interest has been one Taylor Hall, who I don't have the exact quote, but when he was asked about whether or not he would want to be traded out of Buffalo, he's like, yeah, I would love to get moved. Yeah, so it was something along the lines of that. There's only like five words or something is uh this quote. <laughs> but I mean did did we really expect him to get held on to? Obviously, granted he hasn't been traded yet, but um I don't see why he'd want to stay in Buffalo. And the least Buffalo could do is trade him to get something in return. Um yeah. I really don't want to go on three straight weeks of ranting the Buffalo Sabres and their, their uh, you sure it's just three? By all means, it could be four. 
I think I think since I think this has been since like episode three. It it, it could be four. I just don't want to do it because I feel bad. Um, <laughs> I just I think it's just a matter of finding a place where uh where Taylor Hall fits into the system and cap space. I'm just uh, trying to think, and there could be a lot of teams that do benefit uh, having Taylor Hall as a player. You just have to take in consideration that eight million dollars. Yeah, and you'd have to think that uh, Buffalo would retain a lot of fifty like percent of that, at least. I mean, they have, they're not. It's not like they're saving for anybody else. So uh, tonight on Saturday Night Headlines, Elliot Friedman he mentioned how the St. Louis Blues would have been going through a lot of scoring struggles and how they should how they would be one of the teams that would be considered the front runners for a guy like Taylor Hall or be the best fit for a guy like Taylor Hall as they're obviously looking for scoring and Hall is one is a very gifted goal scorer. The only problem with that is they have a projected cap hit of 90 million bucks using including LTIR. Because they got right now, they got Alex Steen on LTIR, obviously for the rest of the season with his um, retirement over the summer. They got Colton Pareko at five point five million bucks out. He's on LTIR. I'm not hundred percent sure what's going on with that. It was an upper body injury. I was looking into it. He has started lightly skating, so I'd assume within the next two or three weeks. So he's so he is going to be back for the season. Yes. Yeah. So the question with that is, how are they going to end up? Using that, using this, uh, I don't know how they're going to even end up making this work with their thing, with their um, cap hit as is. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm looking at. Who'd you say mentioned it? Elliot Friedman. Elliot Friedman. He mentioned it. I think he might. I think he might have just mentioned that right out, just off the cuff. Like a best fit sort of thing. Yeah, he didn't take into consideration the cap. Yeah, because uh, they have absolutely no cap. They have no room to work with. Absolutely zero room to work with. Unless they plan on dumping players. I mean, that would be the only. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. If they go and they decide to dump a, like a guy like a Jaden Schwartz, who's exp- five point three million expiring at the end of the year. Yeah, and you can do maybe like Mike Hoffman, possibly. But even at that, you still don't really – or sorry, them together, you'll have enough space. But you'd have to – you'd have to be giving up more than than just a single player here. I don't know. Um, the one – a situation like this, the only way I could see this work is – do you remember the Robin Leonard trade from Calgary to – or for, sorry, from Chicago to Vegas uh, last year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember how Toronto was involved with that? Yeah, they retained some of the salary. Yeah, they were they. So Leonard was originally traded to, originally traded to Toronto, with fifty percent retention, and then Toronto retained fifty percent of that contract and then traded him to Vancouver uh, to Vegas. So mm-hmm. Vegas only ended up paying about a quarter of his salary. Which that's the only way I could see that happening is if they can get a three team trade going where they have multiple teams retaining salary. See, this is so tough because Colton Pareko's contract is going to go right back against their salary again in, in a few weeks. But, I mean, considering he started lightly skating, has he played a game this year at all, Pareko? No, yeah, he has. He was injured early, earlier or beginning of March, I believe it was, mid-March. I'm trying to think. This is one of those uh, 
one of those conversations where as St. Louis, if, if this was even a possibility that they're considering that they're all going to have to, the front office is all going to have to sit around a table and really kind of pitch their options of what could possibly be the best way to go. But also, so sorry, but where did you see that he was, he has started skating? Uh, that was on, I believe it's TSM. From the St. Louis post dispatch on the 18th, he took, he just skated half an hour by himself before practice on the 18th. And he, it says he still has a long way to go. So I'm assuming that he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, the only way be, the only yeah. way I could see this trade happening is if he's out for the rest of the season and then they ha- they get Buffalo to retain half the salary. I'm just seeing here on NBC Sports that he's uh, that he has been practicing. You, that's the only way you can justify a trade like that with Pareko being out for the rest of the season, or you're trading back a Jaden Schwartz, or some, you're you're going to end up trading back a roster player who has some cap hit. Because you know, Buff, you know, Buffalo's only going to look for young players, and yeah. that one young player, I say they ask about Sammy, about Zach Sanford or Sam, Sammy Blay, uh, Blaze, whatever. Blaze, yeah. or a guy like Robert Thomas. It's gonna be tough, but you they, you have to take into consideration that Taylor Hall. There's a very good chance he'll just be a rental. I know that, but I know that, but also at the same time, like he's top trade deadline. Um, rental so he's gonna he's gonna request or he's gonna cost you a lot to acquire yeah i just i really don't see uh what you're giving up here it's gonna the best, to... i think i think Jaden schwartz goes the other way i'm just saying like kind of thinking out loud here uh Jaden schwartz is the only way that something like this gets done Sorry, have you seen have you seen what the asking price is for Hall? Uh, if I remember correctly, it was first round pick, at least with a um, a top skater. Uh, double check for you in a second. So I think they want like a top six player, and they uh a first round pick. A top player, a top prospect, or top player? A player, player, not a prospect. Really? Yeah. That's so, bold. Yeah, I know. That's bold. So a first-round pick is included. Like, there wouldn't be anything else. Uh, that was reported by uh, Pierre Lebrun, but Elliot Friedman said he doesn't see the Sabres getting a first-round pick. I don't see it either. So. I, I do not see it either, because I think now at this point, he I I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a hundred percent sure what uh, he's been doing this season, like how he's done this season. Looking at player stats, Taylor Hall, thirty-two games, two goals, fifteen assists. Yeah, he's he's sucked. Well, averaging eighteen minutes and fifty seconds on the on a, uh, time on ice per game, like. At those at those numbers, like fuck, that's a third round pick. That's a bottom six player. Yeah, the first round pick is uh like fuck. I don't know. I think I think that Buffalo is gonna be really disappointed with the offers that they get. 
Like, yeah. They're, like, extremely disappointed. Yeah, most definitely. And it's going to be very interesting to see what, like, what kind of offers go through or get offered to them. I say most offers are going to end up being a second-round pick and a B-level prospect. You think so? A B or even a C-level prospect. I think teams that are really going to want him will pay a price, but they're going to definitely make sure that he's not just a rental. Otherwise, I really don't see why a team would want to would want to pick him up. I understand he's good now, but if you're going to give up a uh, a prospect or a uh, solid, mediocre, maybe top six, top nine player with a pick, you you'd expect him in return to stay with your club. I think that once we get closer to the deadline day, like I'd say deadline's April 12th. I think April 1st, Buffalo's going to give him and his agent the ch- the opportunity to um, negotiate a contract with, with other teams. Because correct me if I'm wrong, does he not have a full no move clause? Uh, not 100% sure. I don't, I don't understand why. Or no, yeah, he does. He does. He has a no move clause. So what are you saying? You don't understand why he has it? Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I wouldn't understand why he'd have one. I guess if he wants to, he might as well. I mean, yeah, he, this, signed, he signed one year. He signed one year, eight million bucks for a team like Buffalo. I think if you want, I think he made it known that if he's going to sign, if he's going to sign in a team for a team like Buffalo on that kind of contract with that yeah. kind of term, he wants to decide his own destiny and where he finishes the season. I guess, yeah. So bring him to Toronto. <laughs> I'll take him. A, I'll take him my four million bucks. Give me, uh, we'll give. We'll give you guys uh, um, Pierre Engvall for him. If that could be worked out, I mean, by all means, Engvall, Engvall, and Kerfoot for uh, for Taylor Hall and a pick. I'm really interested to see what um if when if he I'm gonna assume, go on a limb and out on a limb and say he does 100 percent get traded. Um, yeah, that's he's the it, most likely to be traded. Yeah, uh, what what Buffalo will accept to to move him? I really. And hopefully, we we some we've seen at times where reports will come out about what other teams have offered uh, uh, a team for their player, like to see if it was uh, any more or any less than the team getting him offered. But it should be uh, it should be pretty interesting here. Yeah, honestly, that situation I see him being dealt as one of the last trades on deadline day. I think that Buffalo is going to hold out until they find the perfect offer. And when they realize that perfect offer of a first round pick uh, and a prospect plus plus does not yeah. exist. Mm-hmm. I think they're just going to accept any, they're, they're going to accept a random shit deal. I say it gets, uh, you know what? I'm going to put it out there right now. He gets traded for a second round pick and a, and a B level prospect. You think he gets traded for a second and a B level prospect. Like it's not, it's not going to be like with the Tatar situation a few years ago when he got traded from Detroit to Vegas for a first, a second, and a third at yeah. that Monday. So I think Vegas will go on that tra- run. I think he gets traded for at least a top six and then a second-round pick. Really? I just... He he makes he makes an, a difference on a team's lineup. Yeah, but also at the same time, I do think that Kevin Adams, if I'm not mistaken, is a rookie G, is a complete rookie GM. And he's made a couple of really shit moves, like getting rid of a guy like Johansson for 
an Eric's though. I think I that Taylor Hall trade, uh, that Taylor Hall signing. I like I agreed with the signing. I still do agree with the signing because mm-hmm. at the very at the very least, it's more revenue coming in from shirt sales and at uh, and probably ticket sales because they still have the. I think they have fans in Buffalo now. Yeah. Uh, I understand. Yeah, agree, I agree with the sign. I think it was their last effort to prove to Eichel that um that they're not that idiots. They, yeah, that they care and uh, they want to try to build the winning team here. Yeah, but then they real, but then they realize that that's not going to work, and then they go on. Are yeah. they? You know what? I'm curious. Have they still not won a game? Seventeen game losing streak. Seventeen. Fun fact for all those listening, um, the longest losing streak came in the 80s with the Winnipeg Jets at 30 games. So another 13 games to go, and you guys have the worst franchise in, or the worst season out of any franchise in league in history. history. Yeah, so. they, just, they just came off the back of a 3-2 loss to Boston. Yeah. Kyle Ocposo actually scored. What? I think it, or no, not this one. Uh, Kyle Poser, that's his first goal of the season. He has one one it, goal, four assists in twenty four games. This season, yeah. I think that's his first goal he scored since early uh, twenty nineteen, or sorry, early twenty twenty or late twenty nineteen. Yeah, since last season. Yeah, and I mean, think about it. Think about it. If somebody hasn't scored this season, they haven't scored since or, since early twenty twenty or late twenty nineteen. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's such a shit signing, too. Yeah, I know. But he didn't. He, I think he also has some like heart problems as well. So at the same time, like at the time, it made at the time it made a little bit more sense. But now it's just, oh, yeah. I don't know. We're okay. We don't hate Buffalo. We don't hate the Sabres. We don't hate Sabres fans. Sabres fans are actually really nice people. No, I love your fans. Like they're very, the they're very nice people. But and I've I've been to Buffalo a few times, and such a beautiful city. But like, I I, I know Sabres fans will agree with us that this team is just a joke. And this is coming from Toronto fans that we've had we've dealt with our fair share of our of the Leafs being complete laughingstocks in the league for yeah. years and years and years and at the same time still are to a certain extent mm-hmm. but like it's just like we, we can't Buffalo. be in a game where we're up 3 nothing the opposing team scores four goals and we can't get laughed at or there's not a game that goes by where we're not laughed at the, just, not, it gets yeah as toronto fans it gets like is at the point now where Toronto could be up three nothing with ten minutes left in the game, and uh, this game. And I think to myself, this game's not over. They're gonna lose. Yeah, we we still live with that. We still live with the trauma of twenty thirteen and twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that twenty thirteen uh, series with Boston. I was there in Leaf Square. It was four one. Ten minutes left. We decide we'll we'll beat the traffic. Go home. We get home. Why is everyone so sad? They just lost. Like, oh man, cut branching. Uh, anyways, okay, I think we've been uh, fucking around enough to, for uh, for one recording. True. We'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to episode seven of Twigs and Twine. We'd like to thank our boy Dom DiVincentis for coming on the show. Absolutely great guy. Like we mentioned, great great talking to him. Mm-hmm. We wish him all the best in the season. 
And yeah, we'll see you guys all next week. We hope you guys all have a great week. Take it easy.